welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation, and this is another edition of the Lower League Roundup. Last week, we got an introduction to the UPSL from National Director Matt Colla Jr., and we're going to continue right on through our journey through learning about the lower leagues here in Dallas-Fort Worth by taking a look at a slightly different version of the sport. Uh, that would be the indoor variety with Major Arena Soccer League, or the MASL. We've covered it on this podcast a little bit last winter. We interviewed some players, went to some games, and we're excited to see what this new season has got in store. There's some new teams in town. So, oh, and uh, one other thing, stick around to the end and we'll tell you how you can get some discount tickets to the sidekicks and how you can get tickets to the new team, the Mesquite Outlaws. So, okay. To give us an introduction into the MSL, we've brought in the man who covers almost every match over at thirddegree.net. Plus, he covers the MLS and the MPSL over there as well. And also for the Dallas Morning News, Kevin Lidstrom. Kevin, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you could join us. I I, um, I met you last season uh, covering the sidekicks for MASL and you gave me quite the education whenever you did. So I thought that who better to bring in to educate our listeners about the MASL than the, the guy who introduced it to me and explained it all to me. So uh, let's get stuck in. How about, uh, why don't you just tell us what is the MASL? The MASL is the major arena soccer league, and it's basically the highest level of indoor soccer in the United States. it is the last remnants of the old major indoor soccer league uh, that was big during the heyday and uh, kind of kept surviving year by year. And these are the teams that um, are still around. Some of them are legacy teams from back in the good old days. Um, a lot of them are new. Um, but the bottom line is there is still a market for indoor soccer. Um, and we can talk about that more a little bit later, but this is the, this is the place where if you want to see professional indoor soccer, it's where you want to go. So if I'm an FC Dallas fan or an major English premier league soccer fan, why should I care about the MASL and indoor soccer here locally? Well, first the simple answer is it's more soccer. Um, and that's (laughs) always a good thing. Always. Um, and, you know, the second part of it is there's things about indoor soccer that make it unique. Um, there is an intensity to the game that is different. Um, there is uh, a different level of or a different type of skill that's involved. Um, tactics are different. Obviously, you're talking five aside as opposed to uh, 11 aside, um, plus a goalie. Um, you got the walls. There's a number of different things that make it unique. Um, and frankly, just it is a better entertainment product just from a pure action standpoint. Um, the, the way I usually describe it um, to people who come at it from not knowing any kind of soccer is it's a real good introduction because if you really are into the outdoor game, you know, the nuances. Um, so you may be 60, 80 yards away, but you can tell by body shape that he just did a move that that was really cool. And you saw the way the other players responded. You have a feel for the details of the game that, um, 
the indoor game lets you see a lot closer because you're closer to the action. So, um, again, you know, if you're looking for Cristiano Ronaldo, there's no Cristiano Ronaldo in the MASL. But if you're looking for entertaining soccer, um, there's places where it can be had. Definitely. Yeah. I like to think of it as it's like the, a, a very close resemblance of going to an NBA game where there's music playing and, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're really trying to make it entertaining and it's not mm-hmm. relying on what's going on the field to make it entertaining, but what's on the t- field is, is intense and, um, there's high scores. It's, it's just a lot of fun. I've taken several kids or taken my kids several times to the, to those matches. Um, can we talk a little bit more and dive a little bit more into the differences between the indoor and the outdoor game? Uh, like specifically sure. maybe some of the rules that people might expect when they go there. Like for me, there is, what is a blue card? There's, there's this thing that's okay. a blue card. Yeah. So uh, the best way to think about indoor soccer is to remember that it was kind of a, a meld of soccer and hockey. Okay. And so if you're familiar with hockey, you know there's, you know, you can get a, a penalty. Uh, you can be in the penalty box for a couple of minutes for just standard stuff. You can end up in the penalty box for five minutes for, you know, uh, the five-minute major for, you know, more serious offenses. And you can be ejected. Um Soccer has indoor soccer has kind of the same thing. A blue card is, is two minutes, um, a yellow card is five minutes, um, and then a red card you're gone. Um, so on the misconduct, it's a little bit different. Um, the main thing is it's a smaller field with walls, so and you've got a smaller number of players, as I mentioned a moment ago. Um, so the ball moves a lot quicker, and players can get turned a lot quicker. And the unique things about how you can play the ball off the wall, around players, and that kind of stuff. So the angles are very much different. When when you talk to professional players who are transitioning from the outdoor game to the indoor game, the angles tend to be a lot of things they talk about that are different. Um, The size of the goal is significantly smaller. Um, One thing from a player standpoint to be an indoor goalie, it's pretty, it's a pretty special mentality because you are under fire the whole game. And, you you know, an outdoor goalkeeper will make three, four, five, maybe seven saves in a game. Seven saves tends to be a little high. Um, You could face that in a quarter um, in indoor soccer. And that's another thing is that there's four quarters as opposed to two halves. Um, Also in terms of timing, when the ball goes out of play, it does stop. Um, the clock does stop, and it is a, a, uh, a you know an actual hard twelve minutes per quarter, I believe. But because of the walls, the ball doesn't go out of bounds very often. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly not nearly as much as it does in the outdoor game. Um, which again, that's another thing that makes it kind of more fan friendly, more entertainment friendly. Um, you know and. Uh, I'm not saying that it's only for beginning soccer fans, but it definitely is a better introduction to the game of soccer for someone who's not familiar with it because of that high level of intensity, because of the the, uh, closest to the action to be able to start picking up on things, that kind of stuff. Um, In the MASL currently, if the game ends in a tie, there's an overtime period of five minutes, if I remember correctly. 
Um, and then it goes to a shootout. Um, I know there was always discussions about changing the rules. So, uh, you know, I don't know if they finalized what those rules are going to be for next year or not, but that's what it was last year. I think those are the major changes. Yeah. Major differences. Excellent. Uh, earlier before we started talking about the, the differences, you, you mentioned the major indoor soccer league and the remnants of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the history of Dallas and I, specifically, I think there's the sidekicks that are the, the DFW team mm-hmm. from, from back then. Let's talk a little bit about the history of the sidekicks and, and the, the sport in the city. Sure. And actually, if it's okay, I'm going to go a little bit further back. Let's do it. You've got the NASL. Okay. <laughs> which is the outdoor league that was born when uh, Lamar Hunt went to the 1966 World Cup, saw England win, and was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing, which he was right. Um, (laughs) And he and a bunch of other owners brought it back. took him a few years to kind of get things going and, you know, who was going to be really in charge and what we're going to call it or whatever. But by late 60s, early 70s, they kind of settled into kind of a, a pattern. Um, you've got the Cosmos, you've got the Dallas Tornado in Texas. Um, you know, you eventually got 28 teams and fluctuations because they weren't really handling up on their business in terms of being organized, et cetera, very well. Um, but you did produce in the NASL franchises like the San Jose Earthquakes, the Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders, and all that stuff. Um, so it was kind of, that was like the first legacy. Well, in part because of the problems I just mentioned, um, and also because it was just so new for American fans that someone decided to partner with the people that had arenas, which is NBA and NHL franchises, and said, hey, let's do this indoor thing. Um, it'll be faster action. It'll be more fan-friendly. It'll be more to what Americans like. <clears throat> and it really had a heyday. And one of the places that had a huge heyday was in Dallas. Um, the Dallas Sidekicks, the, the in the NFL, it was the Dallas Tornado, and they uh, made it until '81, and I think they went on hiatus and came back for one year in '84, something like that. But basically, in the '80s, the NASL petered out and passed and died. And about that time, indoor soccer had kind of risen up. Um, and you know, the vast, I mean, when I was working with FC Dallas and I was trying to go out and get people to buy tickets, um, I was consistently going, yeah, I'm with the professional team. Oh, the sidekicks. No, FC Dallas. <laughs> um, it was, it was a little awkward. Um, but I think that's a great, uh, statement to the effort that those sidekicks put in to creating a legacy. Um, and when we talk about the legacy, we're talking about people like Nick Favreau, we're talking about Mike Powers, we're talking about Gordon Jago, uh, David Doyle, uh, Kevin Smith, uh, Nick Stavreau, if I haven't already mentioned him. Um, you know, so, and, and these are people who were uh, great players for the sidekicks that also did a great job of being ambassadors for the sport, um, which quick aside, that's one of the challenges that Dallas Byrne and FC Dallas have had is that for reasons that relate more to kind of how MLS is structured, the places their players haven't been as proactive. And so I think they've kind of struggled to make that same connection. Um, hmm. And so for, for quite some time, even after um, major league soccer came in and took most of the better players from the MISL, um, you know, in the other various indoor professional leagues, um, 
it still continued on to where, you know, there were, there were, uh, I don't remember exactly when the sidekicks, I want to say, was it 2004? I think that sounds right. Um, you know, finally kind of hung it up, um, and then didn't come back until 2012, I think. Um, if I remember my dates, right. Um, but by then, the, the major league of indoor soccer had, had pretty much petered out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you have now is the MASL, which I think I mentioned earlier, it's kind of somewhere between, you know, the second division in the United States to kind of the fourth division in the United States. So all people who've played college, some professional, but, you know, very few players who've played in major league. Um, but even through 2004, you had, quality players that were playing for the sidekicks and they, they really embraced the city of Dallas and the city of Dallas embraced them. Um, that hiatus obviously really hurt them. And then moving to the MSL is like, really, is it the same sidekicks? I mean, there are a lot of fans that have questions about that. Um, and they're not unfair questions. Um, but there are also a number of fans that have, that have said, you know what, they're still the sidekicks. I'm still going to support them. Um, because it is still indoor soccer. Absolutely. It is still indoor soccer. Um, you know, and I went to games, uh, when the sidekicks were in those other leagues, when they were still playing at, at a high level. Um, and obviously have been covering the MASL teams and, you know, the same passion and, and dynamics that makes indoor soccer still alive today, despite all the reasons why it might've you know gone by the wayside is absolutely still true. Um, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I cover it is because I know there are people that care about it. I know that it's, there are stories to be told sports stories. Um, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, and I think, you know, it's probably its own show, but there were some really key moments, um, for the original sidekicks that were just great sports moments. And at a time where there wasn't really any other soccer in Dallas. So, there's many people that still think, and I think it's accurate, at least up until, you know, FC Dallas won the double in 2016, that the sidekicks are soccer. In um, so that's kind of the history of the sidekicks. Yeah. So things are changing just a little bit in 2019. And yes, there's a new kid in town. So there's some competition yeah. for the sidekicks in Dallas with the addition yeah. of the Mesquite Outlaws. Uh, yes. Kevin, give us a kind of a preview of this 2019 season coming up. Sure. Uh, so to begin with, we have to go back to 2012. The sidekicks are coming back and they're bringing back Tattoo as the coach. Nick Stavro is the assistant coach. Um, and they brought back a decent number of the players that were still active that had been around in 2004. Um, and over the next five, six years until, you know, uh, three years ago, something like that, um, they did what they could, but eventually tattoo and Nick kind of went their own way. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to comment one way or the other about you know, who is responsible or whatever, because, you know, sports happens and things like that happen. Um, but suffice to say, it was not an amicable split. Gotcha. Um, it sounds like, it sounds like some, some interesting stuff, but we'll, we'll, we'll let it go yeah. for now. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's it, that is definitely something to delve into at the right place at the right time. Maybe with the beer. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there's that's one of the things I love about the sidekicks is there's so much drama and passion and history that there's a lot to dive into there. Um, and so for the past three or four years, they've kind of not seen eye to eye. Um, and now you have the Mesquite Outlaws coming in and the coach is Tattoo and the assistant coach, I believe one of them is Nick Stavro. Um, and in part because of that, or for whatever reason, a number of the players that had been playing for the sidekicks, including players like Jamie Lovegrove, um, are now going to be playing for the Mesquite Outlaws. So it's not just the old coaching staff. It's a lot of the former players from last season that are going to be playing for the Mesquite Outlaws. Um, the sidekicks, Simone Bozas, have brought in some fresh blood, and they've got uh, Cameron Brown still playing for him, who's a phenomenal player. Um, and so, yeah, it should be it should be a very interesting series. Um, I'm not, you know, there's no way to tell at this point which team's going to be better. Um, at a macro level, both teams are going to be competitive, kind of in that middle tier. Um, you know, they can beat one of the better teams on any given night. Um, but over the course of a season, they probably won't be able to hang, but they'll definitely be able to beat the teams in kind of the bottom third of the league. Um, and so, you know, we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out, but yeah, it's going to be, um, and and I, I want to say there's a lot of games between the two teams locally. So there's going to be a lot of times to see those two play, um, and watching how the teams kind of adjust to each other will be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the first games out the gate is a is a derby down in Mesquite. I think it's their first home game. Mm-hmm. I'm checking right now. Hang on. Yep. Yeah, it's their first game on on November 30th, and that's a Saturday. That's in, in yep. Mesquite. So that that yep. should be a good one. I mean, we already said there's a history between the two. Or I mean, mm-hmm. there's a history, and they haven't even played a game yet. So should be should be yeah, interesting. Yeah, this is definitely. I know there's a lot of people that are sort of like, well, if they haven't played, how can it really be history? No, these teams are not going to like each other from the jump. I would be shocked if there's not some uh, pretty fiery stuff between the teams. Um, and in fact, if the new players for the sidekicks don't bring it, um, I don't think the outlaws are going to hesitate to uh, make a statement. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, with Cameron Brown kind of leading the charge for the sidekicks, I doubt the sidekicks aren't going to be prepared. I think there's going to be a lot of um, uh, want to and gumption coming from both sides. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think they play each other four times, both a, a home and an away. So there should be some, some mm-hmm. good, good chances to get out and see some, some really fun Derby matches. Uh, yep. Did quick question. And I actually don't know the answer to this. Uh, what is Landon Donovan coming back this season? I have not heard. I have not heard. The sense that I got was that he had a good experience last year. Um, And so that would lead me to believe that, you know, and they certainly got the attendance out of it that they wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, So from a financial standpoint, I can't imagine that it doesn't make sense. Um, But for those who have followed Landon's career, he's very, um, goes by what feels good at the time. Um, so if it feels good, he'll probably do it. If he's lost the interest, then he may not. Um, so I don't know. I, 
I have not heard. Um, what I do know is you had him, and then you had um, uh, who's the guy who played for Ottawa? Uh, Jones, Jermaine Jones. Jermaine Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, you had two two situations last year where you had high quality U.S. national team players playing in this league, and you could see the quality. Um, but you could also see them kind of struggle to adjust to indoor soccer. And that was actually one of the fun things about it. Um, and I remember, you know, when Landon came through, he gave a press conference and did a pretty good job of kind of going, yeah, um, here are the places where I'm really good and I can really do something. And here are the places where I've got a lot to learn and the team's been really good about helping me learn them. Um, and for me, that's pretty telling that, Hey, here's someone who is, um, I mean, one of the leading goal scorers for U.S. national team. He scored phenomenal goals for a number of different clubs for the U.S. national team in the World Cup. Um, you know, who could forget the Algeria goal? Um, saying, hey, here's a level of play that I need to learn stuff with, I'm struggling with, and that's, um, that's pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, that, that tells you that there's something unique about the game that is worth watching and maybe trying to, to learn and understand. Yes. Uh, I'm just looking like as of this very moment, uh, he is not listed on their official roster on their website. So take, take that Got as it. for what it's worth, which is worth yep. Yep. Uh, one click is what it's worth. All right, Kevin. <laughs> Speaking of clicks, you can click Kevin over at Third Degree. Everybody, make sure you go see, read all his articles about MASL and get educated. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us and teaching us a little bit about indoor soccer, arena soccer. Glad to be here. Have a great night. Thanks again to Kevin Lindstrom of thirddegree.net for taking some time out of his drive home from work to give us the 411 on MASL. Definitely some exciting stuff in store for both the sidekicks and the mesquite outlaws. All right. So earlier before we talked to Kevin, I teased some tickets. So here's how you get some discounted tickets. You can go to our the show notes. You flip up in Apple Podcasts. You swipe up and it'll show you the show notes right there. Or you can just go to our webpage, dallasuckershow.com, and find this episode. We'll have links there. We've got individual tickets at group prices for the sidekicks, and then we've got a link to the Mesquite Outlaws. Their individual tickets are not out yet, but when they are, we will be sure to pass that along. And uh, you can hit us up on social at Dallas Soccer Show. Let us know if you are going to be team sidekicks this season or team outlaws uh, as they, they go throughout their derbies. And uh, yeah, head on over to Twitter and give us a subscribe. Hit subscribe in your podcast app to make sure you don't miss an episode of the Dallas Soccer Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.